Hey guys, welcome to the First Choice Podcast. I'm Landon Johnston. And I'm Drew Humala. So we're going to be talking about all things real estate, building, and real estate investments. Hopefully we can gain a little insight to our listeners about what's going on in our market. So as, as you guys know, my name is Drew Humala, and uh, I started in 2008, First Choice Builders. I um, was 23 years old, probably... Probably more ambition than knowledge, I would say. But that's how you got to start sometimes. Uh, I, I got my general contractor's license in, in Sheridan in order to do framing and stuff like that. You have to have a general contractor's license. And uh, got that, got my insurance and everything set up. And uh, my goal was actually to be a framer. That, that's what I did before, and I, I loved doing framing. The thing is, is uh, I realized after a while, having my license, well, why am I not building houses? Why am I not doing all these things that my license allows me to do? And so um, I started taking on remodel jobs and and odd, odds and ends type things that are um, not framing. You know, I did roofing and siding and did some decks and remodels and uh, just all kinds of things. I built a fence, you know, whatever it took to to get my feet off the ground. And uh, so anyways, I, I realized, yeah, I'm, there's no sense in just doing this when I can be building houses, and that's what I wanted to do anyway. So I took on a partner, built my first spec house, and uh, believe it or not, the house back then sold for $215,000. This is in 2010. Um, is that high or is that low? That's, well... For today's standard, that same house would sell for um, probably about 480. So from 2010 to 2023 is 13 years with over, you know over double the um, cost increase. Wow. wow. So it's yeah, it's pretty funny how how fast things go up when when you look back on things. Uh, but as it, the thing is, is I built that house with a partner. Partner provided the money, we split the profits, and foolish me, I spent my profits on life. Right? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have. For some reason, I didn't have the wisdom to save that money and apply it towards another house. So then, what happened is my new construction, my my new house build career, had to be put on hold to save more money because I used my down payment money. You know. I should have I should have saved it and started another house right away, but foolish me. I yeah, well, life... you only live once, right? And you're, <laughs> you can't know it all right out the gate. And you're young. You're you're experiencing things, you know. Yeah, I mean that's a good way of looking at it, and and I'm probably harder on myself than I should be because I think about that. It's like, man, if I would have started another house right away, I could have been at this point. And but none of that matters anymore, right? It's just one of those. It's more like a thought more than anything. And so, um, when when I finally had the chance to build a house again, it was it wasn't until uh, two years later, and started building some houses. And um, I actually, honestly, did quite poorly on them. I ended up losing money that year, and you know this is in 2012. Um, but a, a really good lesson came out of it, and that was one: I need to work on my organization. I need to understand my costs in a business. Um, all kinds of things that every business owner eventually has to go through. Yeah, experience and, is definitely the best teacher, right? Especially when it hurts. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. And, and uh, I got through that year and I, I rebounded. It took quite a while to make up the my lost money and uh, had to pinch pennies and um, do whatever it takes to um, keep moving forward, right? But I never went out of business, luckily, and it wasn't it wasn't that dire, but it was it was kind of nerve wracking. It was stressful, um, and and uh, but another lesson I, I learned lesson I learned from that was I can't have all my eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. and so I realized that I kind of was starting to understand real estate a little bit, not enough, but but. Not enough to be confident, but enough to at least dive in head first. Cause that's kind of that's kind of how my mentality is. It's like, oh, I think I kinda understand this. And uh let's explore it a little bit and jump in and try it out. And if it's only me that it affects, then no big deal. And and you know, I don't I'm not a big fan of jumping in head first when it comes to um affecting other people. Yeah. 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 But if I can um put myself and only myself at some risk, then it's pretty exciting to to um, jump in and try something new. So what I did is I actually, I bought a piece of property. It was two lots, um, commercial lots, and they had been on the market for quite a while. And um, for some reason, nobody else seen the beauty in them. And I drove past and I was like, I actually really like those lots and they're a reasonable price. And so I put in an offer and I got the lots. And um, it was two lots. What I did is I did a minor subdivision and turned them into five lots. And so um, I, I don't know if I can remember my costs at that time. I think I bought it for 108 if I remember right. Um, and then I ended up selling each lot for 35000 a piece. And so I, I did pretty good. And I was like, hey, that wasn't so bad. Hmm. You know? how, big, how big were we talking on those lots? Were those like a, you know, after you split them up, were they like quarter acre size, like 10 um, lots? or Actually, they're smaller than a quarter acre. They're pretty small. Okay. And so you could you could basically fit a small building and then some parking on the side, mm. and um, so even even back then, this is I think um, around 2014 uh, ish. Even back then, it was a pretty good deal. I probably could have sold them for more, but I was thinking sell them quick and get my money back. So what was the time? What was the turnaround time was, frame on that? It was less than a year. Really? Yeah. It was really fast. Yeah. So I subdivided it. It was a minor subdivision five lots or less. So I didn't have to do any sewer work. Basically all I had to do is administrative work through the city and have a survey done. Um, and resold the lots and they sold basically right away. One guy bought two out of the gate. Um, a couple months later, another guy bought one and then, you know, it's just, they just moved right away. Nice. So needless to say, you're hooked at this point on real estate or is that really what <laughs> kind of got the ball rolling? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, wow, how come everybody's not doing it? That was easy, you know? <laughs> right. Right. And uh it really opened my eyes that I honestly I didn't think of this as a as a possibility. I just knew that I had to do something other than building houses. I needed an additional income stream. Okay, so now here you are finding your second basket to put your eggs in. Yep. Right. Okay. And uh once again, it was just more like a wing it. I I knew I had to do something, but I didn't know what. And that that that's something I stumbled across. Um, I had an interest in real estate and that's why I was looking, but I didn't really know anything about it or how good it could be or anything like that. So um, it clearly just was kind of meant to be like, it worked out well enough and funny that you were already interested in real estate. So naturally you're leaning that way and then this happens and oh, well, mm-hmm. here you are now. So 
So in that same vein, moving forward with with first choice builders and now first choice real estate, it kind of what's that whole vision looking like? What's what's the plan moving forward? Okay, so so from there, what I did is is um, I essentially I rolled the money from those lots into a, a bigger building, and um, it was an eightplex. And in that meantime, I was thinking. I wonder if I could do this actually buy and sell property for money. And um, so I, I went and tested and got my um, real estate license. And the first broker I worked for was okay with me doing my own marketing with my own branding. So I started First Choice Real Estate. Um, I was under another broker, but my my agency, I guess you'd call it, was First Choice Real Estate. And my goal was, think I was thinking that I would buy property for my clients who want to build houses and sell their existing houses so they could build or um, anything else that I wanted to do on this more like a side deal, like mm -hmm. I did with the lots and the eight right, and stuff right. like that. Okay. And so then, so now that was in, in 2016, um, seven years ago. And I was just kind of buying and selling property as, as time went. Um, all of them, to be honest with you, none of them have lost any money. They've all been good investments. And because of the continued um, success in those, it has turned me into it like a firm believer in real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, whatever iron is the hop, right, is what you're going to strike on. But yeah. you've been doing the first choice builders in the meantime. Yeah. So first choice builders is moving along and, and we're building our systems and getting our things in place and and buying and selling real estate and, and helping other people buy and sell real estate. And um, and the thing is, is when you finally get, see, not everybody's going to like real estate, right? Right. You, one person's good at, um, say, technology. One guy's good at, say, um, stocks, you know, crypto. There's all these different things that people are good at. Right. And honestly, I don't. I don't focus on any of those things. I'm not, I'm not even interested in them, but I love real estate. And so so I'm happy that it turned out that um, I've learned how to do it and I, I've been successful doing it. But um, it's definitely not for everybody. That's what I'm trying to get at. Right, right. So really it comes down to does it fit your, your goal or your lifestyle or whatever. I'd imagine that this is pretty handy and gives you a lot of valuable insight that other people don't have. Maybe gives you a leg up advantage in the real estate world when it comes to building homes as well. Yeah. Right? So one of the things that we focus on when we're working with a customer for building a home is where are they building at? And is are they going to build a million-dollar house in a $300,000 subdivision? Right. Something that people probably wouldn't even consider or really understand. Yeah. Some Sometimes I've been surprised where people are like, yo, we really like this house plan and, and we found this awesome piece of property and then it's in this neighborhood. Um, and when you start looking into the neighborhood and you realize the values of the houses around it, then you can be like, you know what? I need to be frank. And, and in this instance, all these neighbors' houses are worth 300,000 and yours is worth 700,000. And if you're absolutely in love with this lot, that's one thing, but I need you to know that this, in my opinion, is not a good investment. If you're married to this house and you're married to this lot, everything like that, um, you know, you do what you want to do, but from my perspective as somebody experienced in real estate, I 
I can't advise you to build this house in this neighborhood. I would recommend tuning it down or finding a different lot where this plan will work or right right um, another another important thing with that is the materials that the house is made out of or or maybe it's a an apartment building um, this all goes into an investment or a, a, you could call it like a um, a return on your investment if you if you have maintenance free items on your house siding roofing whatever your investment is actually giving you a better return because you're not spending money to maintain these things right um but the thing is with that is a lot of styles have a high maintenance material and that high maintenance material costs a lot of money but it's a specific look that somebody wants and they're okay not getting an awesome return on that investment to get kind of the trade-off there imagine too that the more you're spending on on the maintenance free product it's going to be more expensive up front as well right it can be for sure yeah. Mm-hmm. So moving forward with, with the real estate company, moving forward with First Choice Builders, can you talk a little bit about First Choice Capital? What What's kind of the, the idea behind that? And how does that tie into the other two? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that brings us right up to speed, actually. We are, uh, we have a real estate investment fund. Like I was mentioning earlier, I 100% believe in real estate investing. Um, the, the worst thing that can happen in my mind is... The market totally tanks and you have nobody leasing your buildings. But out of that, you at least have a physical asset that's worth money. You know, when you look at other investments, say stocks or crypto or any of these other things, if the market totally tanks, you have nothing, right? It's gone. It's in vanished into thin air. And you're relying on other people to ensure that that investment is solid. Mm-hmm. You invest in a, in a, yeah, obviously you're going to do your research on the company, but let's just pretend um, Apple went bankrupt, right? I mean, it's very unlikely to happen. I'm just using this as yep. an extreme example. Apple goes bankrupt. Every person who invested in that, where's their money? Right? Right. Yeah, valid point. Whereas if you have real estate, your money's tied into real estate, you're standing on the real estate. It's here. It's a tangible thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um. So, so... Because I'm such a firm believer in real estate and I would love to get as many people into it as I possibly can and help them with that, I actually started a real estate investment fund and it's called First Choice Capital. We're essentially going to be raising money through investors and paying a return out. Our thesis on the fund is um, helping businesses get from one level to the next through real estate. So what that means is, let's say a franchise owner has the capital to operate an additional franchise into what they currently are operating. Let's just use the example of, uh, um, I don't know, any, any franchise, right? McDonald's. Well, the franchise owner wants to add additional buildings and locations, doesn't have the money to build the buildings, but can run the um, business really well. So what we would do is we'd go buy the land, build the building, and lease it back to them for one, maybe forever, or two, until they're able to actually buy the building from us. Another another way that we can help people through our fund is a business is looking to hire people and they need to somehow get people from out of state to move because all the um, there's really not enough employees in, in a lot of towns, right? So the business convinces people to move to the town where the business is at 
And then what happens is they're like, well, there's no housing. There's nowhere for my future employees to live. Yeah, no, there's so few examples around here in Sheridan area that that has happened. I know there's, there's a school system that lost out on a few people. They literally don't have anywhere to live, so they got to move. Yeah, good example. Mm-hmm. And so so what we do is we go to these businesses and say, hey, do you need housing for employees? And, and the ones that say yes, we'd, we'd say, okay, we're building these apartments and we're leasing them out. But if you need employees to move into them, we can actually rent a few units to you and you just sublease them back to your future employees or whatever. And so now it helps their business, which then helps our city and right. keeps the economy going and all that. So when it comes to the investment side of it, you know, walk me through sort of the steps, the timelines. If I'm an investor and I want to invest in first choice capital, I want to invest in something like, you know, housing for a, a guy who's got a franchise and like you mentioned, kind of give me the, the, the bullet points on what that's going to look like. Hello, my name is, and I'd like to invest X amount of money in real estate. What are you going to do with that? Okay. So... We have a um, we have a ten year fund, and what we're doing is we're getting money from accredi- accredited investors. What that means is um, gross revenue of two hundred fifty thousand or more per year, or um, a net worth of a million dollars plus, um, not including their personal residence. So if if the investor is value or net worth or income is lower than those right there, then they're actually not qualified to invest in the fund. So what we do is, is the reason we do that is because we don't want to have somebody come into our fund and then something go awry and then that person get harmed by that. Right. So what right. we want to do is we want to target these higher net worth people and, and they're not going to, people who've made a lot of money, they're generally more money savvy and that's why they've made a lot of money. And so they say, okay, well, I have, um, I have 20 million to invest. I'll put 1 million in your fund. If they lose that 1 million, they still have 19 million left, right? Right. right. Um, it's not going to break them. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to be happy. But if we, um, if we target people who are under that threshold, then what's going to happen is let's say somebody has $60,000 in their bank and they, they're like, oh, we want two shares, uh, which is $60,000. They lose that. They're, it's going to cause a real hardship for them. Right. And I don't want to be in that position. Right. Um, we, we are, um, extremely confident in our investments and, um, we don't expect that to ever happen. The bottom line is, is sometimes stuff just happens and, and, uh, we just don't want to be the person causing extreme hardship on somebody. So with this, with this accreditation, with, you know, these, these quote unquote qualified or, or however that's deemed, uh, investors you're essentially creating a low risk battlefield here mm-hmm. where you really don't need to worry about someone getting harmed in that way or the the risk is extremely low yeah i mean if you look at historics on what i've what i've done in the past um everything has always made money um i'm not going to sit here and tell somebody that every investment's always going to make money it right. just has not happened in the past where i've lost money in a real estate right. investment right um so yeah, low risk and plus there's a tangible tangible asset. Um, what we're doing for returns on that is we're actually paying. Um, we ha- kind of have like a stepped return program depending on how much you invest, 
And so that's kind of a subject for a different time, like a one-on-one, depending on how much the person wants to invest, but it's between six and 8% preferred return with a, with a, a, a varied split at the end. It's just, um, it could be a little bit cumbersome to, to visit as a general conversation. Okay. So more situational or with, with that, it's more situational depending on what's, what the person's investing in mm-hmm. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And, and plus it's, um, yeah, depending on how much the person invests and stuff like that. And it's just probably a little bit more, um, of a, uh, detailed type conversation. That's more of a one-on-one type of. Right. Right. So that's essentially what you're going to be getting with, with the investment. Um, what's, what's a time frame look like with that? I mean, what, how, how long would an investor say have to wait before they get their first, you know, get a return on that or whatever? So interesting thing is, is returns are based off of profit. So let's just pretend the the fund Here's a good example. On a new construction project, somebody invests X amount of dollars and we haven't even broke ground yet. They're not going to get a return until that building is built and occupied. And then once it's occupied, the returns start coming in. And then on, so on a new construction project, the returns will be pretty slow to get um, going, but then they have a higher um, appreciation. And so say five right, years, right. five years down the road, all these buildings are full and leased out. Now this project is worth way more than when it first was done. Right. And then you get a big return at that point versus you buy an apartment that's already filled. You're paying a premium because because the rent is already producing income. So you pay a premium for this, say, a, a building built in 1980. You're going to pay more for that than, um, than uh, as, as far as you're not going to pay more for it, but you're going to pay in comparison to what the building is. You're going to pay more because it's leased out. Right. The right. dollar the dollar might not be higher because the building is just old. Right. But for what that building is, you're going to pay more compared to a new construction. Yes. Yes. Um, it's not apples to apples. Yeah. Right. So, can you kind of describe how first choice builders, first choice capital, and first choice real estate are all going to work together? How are they going to harmonize? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so as a, what we do is we call that first choice plus, right? First choice plus is you could call it like an umbrella or, or whatever, a parent company or whatever you want to call it. But the name of it is first choice plus, which includes all three segments. Um, it's a vertically integrated model. We're raising money through investors. We're hiring first choice builders to build the building. And then we're using first choice real estate to manage the rentals and um, and maintain the rentals. So we'll manage and maintain in-house. And um, it, what this does is it gives us control over the project. So if, if you're investing in one of our projects and, and you know that we're handling everything from picking out the products, maintenance-free products, we're ensuring the building is built correctly because we're actually an owner in the building. And... Um, and we're maintaining it and we're vetting our, um, our, our tenants We're um, you truly have skin in the game. I mean, yeah. there's every incentive to, to do everything right and make sure it's going to be successful. Yeah. Right. And, uh, so that, that's how all three companies work and, and they can be on the same project or it could be something as simple as first choice builders building somebody a house and then ensuring that it's a good investment just because we have experience in, in investing and knowing what pays and, and some people will say, Oh, well, we're not really planning on 
selling our house. Well, at some point it's going to be sold, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe it'll be somebody's, their kids after they pass or something like that. And we ultimately want to watch out for the clients, whether they're a custom home, an investor, a real estate client. Um, and we want to watch out for what's best for them. And, uh, and it seems like the investment portion is just, I mean, it's, it's up there on the top of the list, right? For level of importance. Right. And probably, probably the one that a lot of people, well, I would say most people even are, are ignorant to. They mm-hmm. don't fully understand the ins and outs and long-term vision versus short-term vision. Mm-hmm. You know, that example you used about the neighborhood, you know, having a lower quality build or whatever, it's not going to yeah, have that return. Exactly. Yeah. So to finalize the, um, what do we have for time here? Okay. I'm trying to think of what my question was already. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> that was a well played or well timed. Yeah, go ahead. And, sorry. I derailed you. I derailed myself. One of the, one of the projects we actually have coming up is uh we're we're so this is I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but coming back to first choice builders we're we're doing this cabin job in the middle of nowhere. It takes a ton of creativity. Um, literally, the closest town is like two hours away. Um, it's an exciting project. We're we're stoked to do it, um, but we're but we're um, we do have a challenge on our hands with getting materials in and out. And and uh, the reason I bring this up specifically right now is because it. it this is an area that we excel in as far as planning and preparing and building systems and getting the right people in the right places and ensuring that when we take something on, we have our bases covered. Yeah. And and so to tie that back to our uh, triage of businesses is we're planning, we're preparing, we're um, doing all this delegation or um, not delegation. Um, Synchronizing. <laughs> managing because that's essentially what it is managing you're yeah. you're you're getting creative and 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 working together with other people to make x y or z happen mm-hmm. fill in the blank yep and and the more you do that up front the better off it's going to be yes. and so so like this cabin example is we do a ton of legwork and in the end it's awesome because because we spent so much time before we ever even started. It pays off. And it's a hefty investment too, especially because it's strictly overhead. When you're delving into weeks and months of, of building these systems and trying this and, and scrapping that and starting over with this, mm-hmm. you know, so I imagine there's a, it's, it can be really satisfying to, to finally see, start seeing the fruits of that mm-hmm. as a business owner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's why, uh, that's why we have uh, good employees. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you want to wrap this up then, Drew? And uh, until next time. Yeah, I think it's good. Okay, awesome. Anyway, so that's a wrap for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed and got some value out of what we were talking about. And we're going to do it again next week. So stay tuned. Take care.